Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty great. Um, we're in... It's been a while since we've recorded in person. It has actually, yeah. I guess it's always been remote, but now you've moved to London and we're in your temporary digs. My temp digs, exactly. My temp accommodation. It's a pretty cool place. Yeah, it's very like modern and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I'm doing I'm doing really well actually. Really well. Really well. Why is that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just everything in life is just pretty good these days. I think Causal's doing well. We sort of hit our monthly targets, sort of, you know, two thirds through the month. Um, so I'm feeling good about that. Lots of. Oh, yeah, I ran a triathlon a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, how yeah. was that? At the time, I thought, okay, I'm glad I did this once, but I'm never going to do it again. Uh, but actually, since then, I've started watching triathlon YouTube videos and swimming YouTube videos and stuff. And so that's that's what my YouTube is now. And so I feel like I, I definitely want to get into swimming as a thing. Um, I'm not sure about doing more triathlon because I don't like the cycling bit as much. It's just quite long, isn't it? It's just quite long and boring. But I guess was... if you're if you're cycling through like nice scenery and things, yeah, would it be fun? It could probably be fun, but even then, like it's still a decent chunk of cycling. Um, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to start doing swimming semi-regularly, see how that goes and then maybe, maybe dial it up. Yeah. How are you doing? How is, uh, how's relocating to London going? It's been pretty good. So this is my fifth day in London. Moved here on Monday. We're recording this on Saturday and it's been good. It feels kind of weird being in London because there's so much stuff around. Like in the evening, I can just leave the flat and there are like 18,000 restaurants to choose from (laughs) within like a 10 minute walk. Whereas in Cambridge, it was like. There are restaurants, but I have, given that I was living on the outskirts, I sort of would have to drive everywhere. And that having to drive somewhere just adds way too much friction yeah. to do anything. And so in Cambridge, it was like, oh, you know, might, might as well get a takeaway. Mm. And if I was on my own, like if Sheen wasn't around or like for whatever reason I wanted to hang out on my own, there, would, there wouldn't really be anywhere to go because I wouldn't like drive 10 minutes, park and then go to a restaurant by myself. Yeah. yeah. Whereas here, it's like, oh, I can just walk, I can just take the lift downstairs. Mm. And then there's like, I don't know five different coffee places that I can just sit at and just have a coffee and do some work. So it's been really nice in that context. It's also been really nice in that, again, in Cambridge, because there were so few of us around, it was always always a case of you you couldn't just have people over for dinner. Like it would always take a little bit of like arranging beforehand. Okay. Whereas the other day I got a message from a friend who I know lives in London. He was like, hey, what are you up to? I was like, "Uh, I'm actually free tonight. Do you want to have dinner? He was like, all right, I'll be right over. Okay, that's that's quite unusual. I'll, okay. I'll tell you that's quite unusual. Yeah, I think generally you do have to kind of arrange with people. Okay. Because, yeah, people often, you know, through a combination of like work commitments plus existing social commitments and plans, mm. I think you do generally have to plan for things. I think this instance of like your friend just kind of coming over was a little unusual. Okay. But hey, who, yeah. who knows? Maybe it'll... Uh... But it feels like there was this sort of serendipity that didn't quite... That we didn't quite have in Cambridge. I always felt... I always felt 
kind of jealous that you guys had that in Cambridge where it's like, I don't know, there's like literally five of you living there or something. Yeah, no, yeah. And like I you think don't actually, there's no one else. And so no, it's just like, hey, are we hanging out this evening? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. Like, especially in the, in the last few months when um, Lucia moved back to Cambridge and Zadia was around and lockdown lifted. Then we had this like solid crew of people who would hang out. Mm. So that was cool. I guess, yeah. I guess the London thing feels like a novelty because, for example, Shuaib, someone who I would not have previously arranged a serendipitous hangout with. Yeah. I had a serendipitous hangout with and it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in that context, it, it feels cool. Visited the Samsung store yesterday. There is a, a flagship Samsung store very close to where I live. Uh, one of the guys who works there recognized me and we kind of got chatting and he was demoing loads of stuff. And um, yeah, just just kind of cool, cool vibes in London. TBH. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't know what the point would be of sticking around in Cambridge. I think London's good. Yeah, Cambridge for nine years. So I thought there was time for a change in my life, especially after Sheen left. So she moved out on Monday when she flew to Dubai. So I dropped her off at the airport. And I was like, right, never going back to Cambridge again. <laughs> yeah, how was that? You guys were sharing a house for like a year or something? Yeah. Over a year? I mean, it was good. Good experience overall. What was like the not now not sharing a place with Sheen? I guess you're still sharing with someone. Yeah, I think like, so. It's it's been interesting for the last so for the last four years I've been living with girls essentially, and now I'm living with a guy. Oh, and here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Time to get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> and the girls in particular have always, um, at one point or another, complained that I'm not emotionally supportive enough. Ah. Uh, whereas the guy I is is never going to complain of that, <laughs> and so I don't know if that's like a guy girl thing. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. <laughs> um, but I'm really glad you said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's early days for you living with uh, with a guy. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe you'll both need emotional support from one another. Quite possibly. Okay, so I mean, it, you're st you're staying in this place temporarily right now, right? That's right. Yeah. So I've got this place for six weeks in total. So another five weeks to go. And yeah, I think I want to move to someplace a little bit more permanent. Initially, my plan was to scout out different areas of London and see what it's like to live in different places. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Let's get to that. I believe on the podcast about three three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. You said. You, you <laughs> told us this grand plan of like, all right, Tim, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live in different boroughs of London for like four weeks at a time. And I'm going to try different things out. And then I'm going to come to a decision. And I told you, look, you're probably going to stay in one place for a few weeks. And then after that, you'll decide on the next place and you're going to stay there full time. And that's basically what's ending up happening. Correct. Right? Yes. That's absolutely right. Yes. Well done. Okay. You, you called it. <laughs> <laughs> so what changed? I think having a more satisfying approach rather than a maximizing approach hmm. and finally and, and and feeling like to be honest if a place is good enough then that is good enough and the effort involved in moving it i mean it's not like a huge amount of effort especially if i'm moving into kind of fully furnished places but it is some amount of effort it involves moving the car and taking a load of well a suitcase of clothes and a car full of camera gear and like lugging it around and that's like non-trivial it like takes up half a day hmm. and so that half a day's effort to move to a new location it still it still might be worth it i don't know um i think there is value in exploring new places and certainly i found that and and, and this is like a, cl a classic phenomenon where time goes slower when your experience is more varied mm. um and if there if the if each day is basically identical to each previous day then time like really 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 moves fast yeah and i think one one super easy way of adding that element of change is just like moving places Wait, so, so then why why aren't yeah, you gonna do more moving? I mean, I'm 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 open to it. I haven't quite figured it out yet. We're but instead of just looking at short term rentals, we are now also looking at longer term rentals where you have to like rent for six months or a year at a time. Right. 
And so I'd be open to that if I found an area that was really nice. Yeah. And so the plan actually for the next five weeks is to kind of explore different areas of London. So, you know, this week I've spent most of the time in King's Cross where I currently live. Next week, uh, I've got some friends who work from the WeWork in Mollybone and they said that's a really nice area. So I'll probably kind of go there, hang out, get a feel of the vibe. And I think, I think for me, the, the, the priorities are somewhere that's like super central. Mm. That's very easy for other people to get to and for me to get anywhere. Uh, and a place that has parking and like an apartment that's nice. And if I have those things and there's like ev basically everywhere in London has nice cafes and restaurants nearby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think those are the only three actual factors. The other thing we're, we're, we're thinking about is getting like a team office slash studio in London. And so we're looking at office space. So that's one option. The other option is instead to get like a bigger house and just convert it into a team office. Mm. So um, when I was at, when I was doing the interview on Stephen Bartlett's podcast, he's got an interesting setup whereby he lives on the top floor and the floor underneath him is like his living room and dining room, which he's converted to his like team office oh, okay. and studio. Although having said that, they are now moving into a proper office. So, so maybe he's realized that that's not actually a good vibe. Yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Because you sort of live in your office kind of. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a little different because it's, it's mainly me and Lucas, my co-founder living there. I think I'd be happy with having like a sort of living in an office kind of thing. But I think I'd, I'd be more concerned that like for the rest of the team, it would be kind of weird, you know? I mean, the, the, the properties we've been looking at are sort of like three, uh, two or three stories where it's like one whole floor is like the reception slash dining area, okay, which would yeah. be converted into like screens everywhere and laptops. Yeah, I get it. In that and case, it's nice. the yeah. living stuff would be on a different floor. Yeah, but even then it's like, it's yeah, like I guess okay, it is if weird. You like, have friend, if you if you want to have friends over for dinner at like seven p.m. and then some, you know, some people are still like working in the t in the office area of seven p.m. Yeah, you'll then just have like a bunch of people like going through like, oh hey guys, I'm just going upstairs to the dinner party. Hey guys, <laughs> you know, like I don't know. It, it seems like logistically it might be a bit weird, unless everyone has like very fixed you know working hours of like in the office and then leaving the office, mm, which is not really a thing for our our line of work. Yeah, yeah that's so, a good point. Yeah, I think there are some considerations, but I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the satisficing versus maximizing approach. Um, and I think I was surprised about this when it came to, so when Lucas and I were looking at places um, like last year and then this year when we wanted to like get a place. I, th I initially thought like, man, this is going to be so hard. There's going to be like all these options and like, it's a, such a huge thing, right? Like you're choosing where to like live for the next six to 24 months or something. And like, oh, if you make the wrong decision, it's like really bad because it's like so high measure and stuff. But I actually, I think it's, I think it's a lot simpler than that for a few reasons. I think the first is that there's actually a lot less liquidity in the market than you think. For example, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, uh, but by that, I mean, like it, given your criteria of the kind of place you're, you're looking for, there's not going to be a million places in London that match that criteria. No, there's actually like a handful, <laughs> Yeah, or, or a handful to a few dozen. Yeah, there's going to be, a, there's yeah. going to be a handful to like a dozen or something. And so that kind of really narrows it down. And I think, I think that's also why I was very skeptical of your approach of, oh, I'm going to try out different areas and stuff. Because I think, I don't know, probably for me, if you want to live in like central London, then like everything is pretty accessible. And so I think the area, you know, if you're saying like, I'm going to be in central London, I think the specific area in central London probably matters to me less than the place itself. And so um, I'd, I'd probably like figure out, okay, what are all the places that are within my criteria? And then the area is kind of secondary to that. Um, whereas I think previously you were kind of thinking, mm. market's super liquid, you know, there's going to be loads of properties in every area. 
for my criteria. So I'm going to try the different errors and then figure out the properties and so on. Um, but it's actually a lot more constrained than that, right? Yeah, I think that's true. And I think also prior to being in London, I just didn't quite have a gauge of how close everything is to yeah. everything else. I think, I, think, I think there is a level of friction in terms of the connectedness of, of certain areas. So for example, this place is like an eight minute walk from King's Cross Station. King's Cross Station goes everywhere. Mm. Goes to Cambridge, goes to St. Albans, goes to Paris. Like, you, you know, it, it is a hub. And saying to people, hey, I live just near King's Cross. Why don't you come to King's Cross? It's like a very easy thing. But saying I live in Angel, it's like, well, to do that, in my previous model, it was like, oh, you'd have to go to King's Cross and then you would have to take the underground and then you would have to walk. And it's that, that extra step of taking the underground that I felt adds some amount of friction to the ease with which people can get to me and the ease with, with which I can get to people. And being here, I guess people who are actually living in London don't consider, I don't know, two stops from King's Cross in the same sort of, I don't know, any, any different to actually just living in King's Cross? Yeah. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I mean, look, people living in London will be coming from all directions. So some people, Angel might be closer. Some people, King's Cross might be closer. It's, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I guess people will take the underground as opposed to... They'll be taking the underground anyway. As opposed to National Rail, which yeah, yeah. ends up in King's Cross, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that would be, be my model, like going from Cambridge or St. Albans. Right. Like, they're not coming King's in Cross by, is the way to be. They're or, not coming through the Eurostar. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So, um, yeah, I don't think that matters too much. But yeah, I'm curious to see what your social life will look like here. Now, I, I was actually just thinking the other day that like there's there's a, a friend of mine who lives really close to us. Actually, I, th I think he moved recently, but like he still lives pretty close, and I just don't see him very much. And like I really like him, and I think he likes me. And oh, uh, <laughs> and yeah, we just don't really see each other because I think you sure it's a he. <laughs> we have some share. Yeah, we definitely we actually actually have a bunch of mutual friends. Um, but we see each other like every, you know, maybe like once every six weeks or something, even though we both live in like central London and are mates. So what do your evenings look like? Because, because the impression I had of London life is that something is happening every evening. And is, is that the case for you when you're, when you're in London? Yeah, that is basically the case for me when I'm in London, I think. So like, but you just have too many social events that you can't see this friend more than once every six weeks. Yeah. I, look, it's tough, but I, I just feel like I have so many like groups of friends. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, That's like a good problem to have, right? It's, I don't know. It feels kind of weird. Like uh, on Wednesday, one of our friends was like performing some stand-up comedy somewhere. And so a few of us went to that. And then on Thursday, I just had, I had dinner with a friend. And then on Friday, we had dinner with like your, you, you and your kind of medic gang. And then today I'm going back to St. Albans. And so... Yeah, I think maybe it's a bit different for me because I'm in London like you know, th three to four nights a week. So yeah, it always it always feels like quite hectic of like, there's always going to be stuff. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of what my, what the next week of my social calendar has ended up looking like as well, where there's, there's you know, someone messaged me being like, do you want to grab dinner? I was like, I'm actually fully booked for the next two weeks and then I'm going to Croatia for a week. So if you want to hang out after the 12th of, of, of September, let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was that sort of thing. I feel like, you know, so, so being in London has unlocked three different, three other slots in my calendar, i.e. breakfast, lunch and coffee. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Which was not really a thing in Cambridge, especially because there were so few of us, uh, like five of us around. And so it wouldn't be a case of, hey, do you want to grab lunch? It would be more a case of, oh, you know, either we're having dinner or takeaway or we're all just going to WeWork and chilling there all day. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, for example, this morning I had breakfast with someone who I met off Twitter, um, then yesterday I was going to have coffee with someone, but then I had a few calls. Today I'm going to a dinner party. Tomorrow afternoon, having lunch with someone else. So it, it just sort of unlocks those extra bits of social yeah, yeah, yeah. slot. Mate, breakfast is a game changer. I think lunch is a weird one. I think have... lunch is often like too constrained. I feel it's too constrained, and like I feel like it just throws me off, like the work day. Okay. 
like having like a long extended lunch and then like get, coming back to work afterwards i feel like it just throws me off okay. um i think for lunch i prefer doing something like solitary you know not super time consuming um just so i'm still within like the, the work vibes you can hustle so i can hustle but i think breakfast um breakfast hangouts are amazing mm. if you can find people who are down for them yeah i need to push my breakfast hangouts back earlier yeah because this breakfast hangout i had today was like at 10 and it lasted until one okay wow well, okay <laughs> and yeah. so it was like a very extended breakfast yeah. hangout. <laughs> but i think it was like it was nice having all that time but i think if it started at eight and finished at 11 yeah then it's like oh i i actually do have stuff i can do the rest of the morning right right whereas otherwise breakfast becomes like a protracted affair and it's like oh you know let's wake up at nine and then to spend an hour getting ready and then yeah that sort of thing yeah i think the other the other social aspect of living in london is i don't feel like i have like a, a single kind of gang mm. you know again when you were in cambridge it felt like you had like this gang yeah and like almost every day or like multiple times a week it would it would be like, hey, gang, what are we what are we doing today yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. That was quite nice. Whereas I think in London, you know, most people have a bunch of different groups of friends. Mm -hmm. And like a bunch of my friends are definitely friends with each other. And so there are gangs, but like, I don't think I have a core gang of like, hey, gang, what are we doing today? Or what are we doing this weekend? And so you I haven't got think... a core like London friends WhatsApp group? No, there's kind of multiple groups, basically, mm. with a little bit of overlap between each one. But I think there's something nice about the like, yeah, the, the vibe of like, hey, what, what are we doing this weekend kind of thing. Yeah, that's quite nice. Uh, whereas, yeah, with the multiple gangs set up, it's more like, okay, you have to you know, book something a week to two weeks plus in advance yeah. to make sure people can make send, it. Send the calendar like invites. Yeah, send the calendar invites. Um, because everyone has, you know, their own other gangs as well and they probably have plans and things. So I do think that's the downside of like everyone being in London. Just optionality, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the, the thing with that and the, and the way I normally arrange plans with gangs is like arrange a plan with one person and then open the invite to the gang so that regardless, there is a date and time in the calendar and whoever wants to rock up can, oh, yeah, can yeah, rock yeah. up. Yeah. That sort of setup. So we have like a gang, we have a, a hangout with our school gang like next Tuesday it, following that model where I'll say, hell, say, hell, do you want to hang out on this date? Mm. All right, let's put it in the calendar and now let's open it up to everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even if no one turns up, we'll have a dinner for two. But if they do, then yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think being too democratic about social events is a recipe for disaster. Mm. You've just got to like... <laughs> Give people a date, time, yeah, calendar invite. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and they it, can and accept or decline accordingly. Yeah, if they can't come to this one, they can come to the next one. It's fine. Any tips? So you've been, been, in, been in London for like a year or two now? Like, Yeah, on and off, yeah. I think having a good breakfast place, like one to five minutes walk from the flat mm. is really good. Yeah, like a, a good breakfast place that you can... Okay, yeah, I've got that go to and work in the mornings and like you know meet people there and stuff i think that's really useful i feel like one one thing which i'm lacking is team sports mm, okay uh i think i need to make it more of a deliberate effort to have some kind of regular team sport thing going on um what, I like football i, I think i'd want to do like okay, sort of stuff but i'd want to do badminton Oh. I think if I play badminton once a week, okay. doubles badminton with like a really solid group of people all at the same sort of ability mm. level, I think my life would be like really, really a lot better. Okay. What's stopping you from setting that yeah, up? Yeah. So I, rem I remember when I, uh, just after I graduated and I kind of got a job in London and stuff, I thought, okay, I'm going to be like really intentional about my lifestyle. And like in the first like month or something, I like tried out a few different badminton clubs because I'm like, okay, I definitely want badminton to be part of my life. And I think basically I was like in between skill levels mm. where there was this one club which seemed quite good, but I was, I was actually not good enough um, for them. I think in oh, my... So you have to audition to get into these clubs? Yeah, basically. Wow. Okay. 
Interesting. Yeah, I think in my prime, I, I would have actually fit in, but I was kind of rusty as well. And then I tried out a few others and, and they were kind of not that good in terms of ability. Yeah, it's hard when you were like, straddling oh. those two different... <laughs> yeah, so I was in this kind of two worlds. no man's land, <laughs> yeah. which was annoying. But I mean, that's that's just a bad excuse. I should have like stuck with it and, mm. uh, and figured it out. But yeah, I think I think like figuring out something on the regular sport front. Mm. Who, do, who do we know who plays badminton at a similar level? Oh, mate, yeah, you're going to be in London. If we can find another... <laughs> yeah, I literally live in London. We've got James who's at a sort of, sort of similar level. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was being polite. Um... Yeah, that'll be really easy. Mate, send a, send a WhatsApp the, broadcast the, to all of your the inter- friends. We have the internet at our disposal as well. <laughs> yeah, we can literally be like High, like, highly liquid. story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the market is so efficient in this context. Yeah, yeah. It can be like, look, we're play. How, how how do we how do we assess our skill level? <laughs> if you weren't quite good enough to get into the university team, but we're definitely good enough to get into your college team. <laughs> yeah, or like that, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Something like that could work. Yeah, I think the setup that some some of my friends have, where they go uh, bouldering or rock climbing. That's really good because it's it's a team sport in that you go with people, but it's also a solo sport, and like skill level doesn't really make a difference to anyone's enjoyment. Right. And in fact, if you have like very completely different skill skill levels, it actually just makes it better because then the pros can like show the the beta to the the noobs right. Right. Um, or something like that. So I want to I want to get more into rock climbing slash bouldering. Yeah, a bunch of folks are into that. Yeah. Other tips I'd recommend are yeah I think. I think getting out of London on a regular basis once you're in London feels really good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the monthly weekend trip and stuff is yeah. really nice. Yeah, that's on the to-do list. Yeah. And that was partly why I wanted to I sort of, I was insisting on a place with parking. Because when you have a car, then the ability to leave and go somewhere becomes a lot yeah, easier yeah, yeah. than taking the train to St. Albans and then taking an Uber to home and then getting the car from home and all of that nonsense. But yeah, I think that's that's kind of the stuff I'd say. How do you feel? I mean, I think your your original plans were meant to be a lot more exotic than moving from Cambridge to London. <laughs> and it seemed like for the past couple of years, mm. there'd been multiple exotic, more exotic plans, which have now culminated in moving from Cambridge to London. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about that aspect? Cause I, I know you wanted to like go on an adventure and stuff like that. Mm. Does this feel like an adventure? <laughs> it does. Um, so I think at the stage in life where I was, the exotic plans were, hey, let's live in a different country every month and explore yeah. and yeah, travel yeah, and all that, that, all that jazz. Yeah. And th- that actually was on the cards until COVID happened. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, the place I am right now, it's, it's even, it feels like even more of an adventure to be like, right, let's move to London. Let's get a, co- a company office. Let's hire 10 more people. Let's oh, build I a production see. studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that genre of adventure yeah. to me feels 10 times more exciting than let me go to Bali for a month and just yeah. sit there by myself. So I back it. Yeah. That's kind of the, the adventure aspect of it. And I was, um, you know, this, the, this breakfast I was having with this person I met off Twitter, we were, we were kind of talking about business growth and scaling and stuff. Yeah, I was saying that like when you run a business, you know, maybe you, you probably had this, this feeling as well. I kind of feel like I need to ask people for permission to do stuff. And in that, I don't know, I just in a way don't realize that we can just do whatever the hell we want. And so I just sort of, sort of assumed that these days, oh, I guess when you hire people, it's going to be remote and you're going to be on Zoom calls. And then I really thought about it once kind of being prompted by one of my coaches being like, like, what do you act like? What does your dream business look like a year or two, one to three years from now? And what that looks like for me is we have an office, we're all in person. We have our own little studio. We've got a team. We've got a podcast setup that's always ready to go. And he was like, okay, why don't you just make that happen? I was like, what? Is, is, you know, is that allowed? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, you're, it's your business. You can do what you want. I was like, oh, no way. And then you, just that conversation suddenly yeah. made me realize, hang on. 
I could just move to London. <laughs> and I can't just like hire a team that's based in London. You know, <laughs> yeah. there, there are people in London. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's a thing. <laughs> I suppose we could just get an office because we have enough money to get an office in London. Huh. Why don't I just do this? Yeah. And it was like that conversation. Where, and like within a week, I was like, all right, I guess that's it. I'm moving to London. It's yeah. a thing. And then I just ended up in staying, staying in Cambridge so that like me and Sheen could leave at the same time. So I didn't feel like I was abandoning her and all that, <laughs> all that jazz. Yeah. Um, but it's always a bit surprising. And, you know, this conversation I was having uh, at breakfast this morning, again, when it comes to things like team management and goals and, and stuff, like the thing she was saying was that why, like you can create systems to create, basically to create the sort of business you want. Mm. Um, and I guess part of me was thinking that I had to follow some sort of playbook, some sort right. of rule book, but like, oh, th this is what goal setting looks like for a business. This yeah. is what like one-on-ones look like for a business. Yeah. But if I really thought about it, it was like, you know, our business lives and dies by the growth of the YouTube channel. And so we can just make it a part of everyone's job to come up with five video ideas each week. Right. And if all 20 people in the team came up with five video ideas each week, we would never, we, we would never have a problem with idea generation ever again. Mm. And she was like, yeah, you can just do that. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Mental. <laughs> I just, I just, I just hadn't, hadn't thought of it. Yeah. So I think it's things, things like that where it's not quite related to the moving to London, but the, the broader point is. I, I often feel surprised as to how much autonomy I have to do things that I want to do. Mm. And I guess, I don't know, I guess in like the, 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 the traditional stuff of medicine and things, that's not like a default way of, of thinking. Right. And I can just do what I want here. Yeah. So. I always felt like you'd have much more of a sense of doing what you want with your business than like us with Causal. Because I think, I think like running a sort of, a YouTube business or whatever the term is nowadays, yeah. it's like much more of a new thing. Like it's not like a super well-trodden path. Mm -hmm. And also you don't have like investors and stakeholders and things. And so I always felt like for you, it's probably just like, oh man, just literally do whatever the hell I want. Um, and it's all good. Um, I feel like the startup thing that we're doing is a little bit different because it is actually a well-trodden path. And so <laughs> there are actually known best practices <laughs> that are probably worth sticking to. And then there, there was also some level of accountability um, to third parties, um, which is also important. So it's interesting that internally, you didn't really feel like your business was as free as it seems on the outside. Uh, okay, so I think, yeah, I think I've sort of flip-flopped because I think I was very much do what I want for the first two years. And then I got like one full-time team member and then I was still do what you want. And then we got a second one and then a third one. And at that point, it was still like do what you want. Then when we expanded to like somewhere between like eight and 12 people, mm. at that point it was like, oh, okay, crap. The do what I want approach is not working because of all these, all these different reasons. So now let's, let's look at the, the business playbook. Let's actually talk to people who are managers and leaders and let's read all these books about management and how to run one-to-ones and how to set goals and all that, all that jazz uh, to the point where then kind of having a prescriptive, strong and stable leadershipy type seven-step framework to running a business where it's number one, define your vision. Number two, set your goals. It's like number three, here's how you run meetings. Yeah. Just very, very rigid. That was, that felt like a breath of fresh air. It's like, oh my gosh, this has been chaos for the last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now there is someone telling me what yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've that got, person I've got knows, a daddy figure. I've, I've got me, a daddy yeah. figure yeah. and like Dino, whatever his name is, who's written the book Traction oh, <laughs> about okay. the entrepreneurial operating system and how the system has worked for like 15,000 15, companies around the world. Um, you know, Dino is telling me what to do. I'm going to follow Dino's yeah. thing to the letter. And it's like, oh, this is working. This is working. This is working. But I think now we're at the point where it's like, okay, Dino's told me what to do up and up until this point. But actually the, the reason I don't like Dino's approach in this context yeah, because yeah, of ABC. Yeah. And now it's sort of taking a bit of that control back and thinking, okay, what are the elements I can take from Dino yeah, yeah. and keep? And what are the elements where we actually do just want to make stuff up as we go along? Yeah. I think one issue that we're having in the team at the moment is... 
um, I mean, as Gardino calls it, organizational whiplash. <laughs> oh, we come across that term. No, well, it's basically like when you're a one-man band, you can you know you can pivot really you easily. can pivot really easily. You you can turn your head in different directions. Whereas when you're not a one-man band anymore, suddenly it's harder to turn that ship. Exactly. Direction. Yeah, and like the leader turns their head, and then everyone feels like, oh my god, we have to follow that direction and that direction and that direction. Yeah. And my approach hasn't changed from like year one to now to year five of turning my head constantly. But I was surprised as to how seriously people take my head turning. Oh, I see. Right. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> I like what to me is just a rough pencil sketch on a napkin yeah. because I don't know what the hell I'm doing to the team of people who I employ feels like, oh, are you, we've got a new plan. Oh, like, I see. Like, yeah. on plan. Okay, right. Guys, we're all moving to Dubai. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like that, and they're like, "All right, cool, we'll make yeah. it happen." I guess, uh, I guess so, I'll cancel my lease. I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll divorce the wife. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then it's like, "Oh, we're not moving to Dubai anymore." And they're like, "Oh, oh, okay, okay, <laughs> maybe we should have stayed together." <laughs> right? Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, so I realized that I need to be much more clear about two people when I'm like just sharing my thoughts. Yeah, the status of each, the status plan. of each. <laughs> yeah. And so now, when when the plan was, guys, we're going to move to London. Everyone, everyone was like, all right, let's give it at least 48 hours yeah. <laughs> before we even think about this. Yeah. And then let's give it a solid two weeks. <laughs> and then, and like Angus still hasn't moved to London because he's like, <laughs> I want to give it at least six weeks for you to not change your mind before I uproot my life. And, <laughs> and to me, it's just like never quite realized that, yeah, yeah. yeah, that sort of whiplash that happens. That's funny. Yeah, I think the whiplash thing is something that Lucas and I were always very wary of. And that's why we, wanted, we kind of kept the team super small until we felt pretty confident on a direction pretty obvious but yeah from from what i've heard it is much harder to change direction with a bigger team you know for lots of reasons it's an adventure i was speaking to a, a friend of mine last night who you know he was talking about how all of our preferences around this stuff change change over time so when he was young he had built and scaled a company to 140 people and then they kind of sold that for a bunch of money and then he was like all right now i never want to manage people ever again and now for the last five years, he's been a one-man band. Anytime any project has come in, he's been like, nope, I just want to make one deal every year. And then I'm happy. I want to hang out with my kids. Yeah. And then he's like, but now he's like, okay, I've done that for five years. Now yeah. I, want to, I want to scale a team again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it goes in, hmm. in waves like that. And so right now, the adventure to me feels like scaling a team is fun. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that at some point further down the line, I'll feel like scaling a team is not, <laughs> yep. is not the one anymore. And I actually kind of want to do my own thing. So we'll see. Man, I'm psyched about this badminton thing. That's so clever. We yeah. can just play badminton together. Yeah, how do we make it? <laughs> with some, two other people every every single week. Mm. Yeah, I've been looking at gyms to join. There's a few a few like options. Are there like badminton courts you can just book and bring guests to? Is that is that is that a concept? Are there are there leisure centres in London? No, no, there are. There are. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't just, think like, it was the only options are the fancy ass gyms. <laughs> no, no, there are leisure centres. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we should figure that out. Yeah, yeah I think that'll be badminton. great. Yeah. And yeah, if we don't, if we can't hustle up two more friends at similar skill levels. In turn to the uh, the internet. Yes. Post on Twitter. Yeah. What about Instagram? Instagram. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> should, we, should we hold auditions? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's just a matter of like play with a couple of people yeah. every week for a few weeks and and then make the WhatsApp the group accordingly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feels a bit snaky, doesn't it? <laughs> but it'll be mutual, right? Like everyone knows if it's not the right group. If there's two people way better than us, actually, that'll be fun. If it's like us and two people way better than yeah, us, but then the doubles is interesting. Yeah. It'll be boring for them. Yeah. Uh, unless, uh, although I feel like unless they're down. Yeah. Like if if me and you are against each other in doubles with someone who's a bit worse than us, like we had, often had in Lane South End when we played, yeah. that was like really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess. But not someone who's like so significantly worse, but someone who's like competent, but not like. Yeah. Yeah, it'd actually be great if we can find two people who are like way better, like like better, definitely better than us. <gasps> Ooh. Almost as like coaching. On that note, I got a DM from someone on Instagram many, many, many months ago 
who lives near London, who like plays for plays badminton for like Team GB or something. Right. And right. like either watch the channel or listen to the podcast or something. And they were like, we should play badminton sometime. And I was mate. like, mate. Whoever that was, if you're if you're listening to this, <laughs> please DM me again because I can't remember what your name. I, I must have written it down somewhere. But I have too many second brains and too many different apps. <laughs> I literally don't know which one. Which Can't second remember brain if it was Rome or Notion or Obsidian. Rome, Notion or like Apple Notes or Evernote or like, you know. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't know what to search. Oh, damn. This is really annoying. It's going to be, it's going to annoy me all week. Some serious galaxy brain shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that would be cool. One thing that I think uh, I've only recently realized the, the value of is having like a, a teacher for sports. Really? It's like having a tennis teacher is absolutely sick. Because the thing with tennis, right, is that at the skill level that I was playing at, you couldn't really have good games with friends because of like... Because you're so much better than your friends. Either that or my friends are so much better than me. Or if, if, if someone is broadly the same level as me, it's still not that good a game because neither of us are taking risks. Because it's like... My, yeah, you want to win the point. You don't want to like... Yeah. You don't want to lose two games because you're trying to learn how to serve. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but also like at the, at the level that I'm at, it's like... I could go, I could not think about getting the ball over the net and just hit a forehand. And it would probably work. But within the context of a game, I always feel like risk averse. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, end up doing some really, you know, like people who are bad at badminton just like hit the ball back. Right. Back and forth from the ball. The ball, yeah. Um, so but, bad it's the wrong yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> but with a tennis coach, um, it's like the freedom of I can, I can just hit whatever ball I want yeah. and I know that they'll be able to return it. <laughs> and I know that if it doesn't go anywhere, they've got like 18,000 balls right next to them. They can just like resume right. and resume it. And you can just like drill the same thing over and over again. And I've improved like so much at tennis hmm. through a, sort of like a few, a few weeks to months of tennis lessons in a way that just haven't over years of kind of noodling right. back and forth with friends. Yeah. So I want to do more of that kind of stuff with sports that I care about. Why do you think it's different? Like I, I, I do think like training or whatever hmm. is different from like playing games with people you know yeah i mean i think i think badminton and squash are at the, at the level that that you and i play oh, for, for badminton at least that that's like i think for a lot of these sports you have to be at a certain level before you can really enjoy the game and so yeah, and certainly yeah, that's the like, case for tennis yeah yeah i feel like, like much tennis, more so than badminton yeah for sure for sure and yeah so I, I played tennis games. a few weeks ago with some friends and we're all fairly amateur one of the guys was like kind of good mm. And like most of the, ra- the the average length of rally was probably like two shots or something. And yeah, like, and that's just not as fun and, as like yeah. a proper hard hardcore yeah. badminton rally. And, yeah. and the sort of one time in a game where you have a rally of like four or five shots, it's like sick. What a great rally, lads! Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the badminton, that would be like every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I think lessons to get to that level and then join a club with people who are similar levels and then I think that's the one. That, that I think that's the one. All right. So action items are to figure out badminton arrangement from from next week. Yeah, let's play the first game next week. Okay, I'm down. All right. What, are, what, what, what does your schedule look like? Like, do you have like sort of, I'm in London Monday, Monday through to Thursday type Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's broadly I'm in London like Wednesday slash Thursday until Saturday, okay. unless there's a compelling reason to be in London outside of those days, mm. like a triathlon, for example, or yeah. some other kind of event. Um, but yeah, that's kind of broadly it. Um, yeah, it's like flexible, but I think like, yeah, Wednesday slash Thursday to Saturday is kind of, the consistent pattern at the moment. Okay, Let's do that. Um, before we end, I had an incredible insight last week. Oh, yeah? Yep. We were interviewing someone for a, for a sales role at Causal. And as part of the interview process, we give them like a short kind of case study, like task to do. Uh, or we basically ask them to like, you know, lay out a strategy for getting us to, you know, whatever yeah. target on, on the sales front. And um, one of the candidates we interviewed 
Um, he's the only one that's, that, that's done this. He had a, he had like a section in his like you know in his uh, thing that he prepared around what his like day would look like as a salesperson, and he had like a screenshot of a calendar mm. with like uh, slots blocked out. It was like, man, it was really cool. It it was it was actually very organized. It would be like morning, you know, thirty minutes email slot, and then you know two hours you know prospecting or something, then lunch exercise, and then four hours like demos and then you know prep for next day it was just like an extremely regular every single day mm. and looking at this thing was like it's basically like calendar porn of like wow <laughs> i wish my week looked like that that's so nice you know calendar was so, <laughs> yeah, so rigid i know like i could not believe what i felt when i saw this like yeah. <laughs> calendar template and so i was kind of thinking that like if there were a twitter account that like every day post like a, a new fantasy calendar that people can look at and drool about oh man what if that was my week because <laughs> like my calendar's all over the place with like random calls and things yeah um it's, it's very irregular and i think a lot of people probably feel that way about their kind of calendars and stuff and so looking at like calendar porn of like, <laughs> it's like imagine if i actually woke up at the same time every yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> imagine if i actually gave myself half and half my morning routine yeah, an hour yeah, for yeah. breakfast to take him a call maybe <laughs> yeah yeah precisely and i think i think like in the same way that you know, on Instagram, you have like pictures of people doing stuff as like lifestyle porn kind of thing. This is kind of like a, a different version of that, yeah. which is like, I think a lot more achievable. Because, yeah, it's, I, I think if someone made that Twitter account of like, you know, every day posting a new weekly calendar yeah. lifestyle layout thing for people to drool over, I think that would be an absolute banger. Yeah. And, and I even mean just within like a work context, like you can squeeze in some non-work things in there, like, you know, mm. exercise in the middle of the day or whatever. But even just seeing like neatly blocked out chunks of time for yeah. specific work tasks. <laughs> that would be good. Like I try and do that, but it never ends up happening. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. Have you ever tried the ideal ordinary week exercise? You mean you just think of what, what like... Uh, yeah, you fast forward your, your Google Calendar like five years in the future where yeah. hopefully it's empty rather than recurring events. <laughs> <laughs> Probably still have like yeah. recurring events. And then you block out like, what does like five years from now, like yeah. what does my calendar actually want to look like? Or, or even one year from now, you just take yeah. a blank template and you slot out things like, okay, I want to wake up this time, I want to lunch, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Deep work, deep work. Yeah. Badminton, yeah. badminton squash, kickboxing yeah. and, and so on. And then you're like, huh. What's the difference between my current calendar and my dream calendar? Yeah, yeah. And every every time I've done that, I've actually found things to change. Oh, it's really? like, oh, okay. Yeah, why why am I doing that thing? Mm. Like, why am I not doing that thing? Okay. And I think yeah, if anyone listening or watching wants to wants to try this out and report back in the comments slash in the emails slash in the Twitter replies, let us know. Um, but yeah, I, I should try that. Quite, quite handy. That's pretty neat. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Cool. Do you have any insights for us? Mm -hmm. I have a bunch. Really? There's this book I've been listening to called The Gifts of Imperfection oh. by Brene Brown. Oh, mate, people love Renee Brown these days. Yeah, I mean, I think she's been big, she's been big for a while. Oh, really? <laughs> um, but her whole, she's like a researcher in the genres of like shame and fear and vulnerability and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And has also done that and like straddled the business world in books like Dare to Lead and about the power of showing vulnerability in a business context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this book, The Gifts of Imperfection, is sort of about like self-acceptance. Mm -hmm. And it's about like um, how we all have this kind of fundamental need for love, connection and belonging and the things I've found useful from it so far, like there were, there were so many moments where I just had to pause and just think. <laughs> I was like, well, really? okay, that's wow, interesting. Okay. I think one thing that I struggle with is that, and I, I made a video about this the other day, is like feeling like I have to hustle for acceptance or 
I have to like, if I were more X, then I would be more valuable as a human being type stuff. Right, and right, it like, yeah. not at a conscious level, but yeah. definitely at a subconscious level of, yeah, yeah just not, uh, yeah, feeling like I, I have to be more than who I am for love connection and belonging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was so, so many like, huh? You have to earn that stuff. You have to earn that stuff, yeah. And there's so many powerful moments in there where, where she talks about how, you know, it's very hard to kind of love someone else if you haven't got that baseline level of I'm actually totally cool the way I am. Mm. And that's not to say that you can't then like work on stuff because we all have stuff to work on. Yeah. But it's to recognize that me becoming more confident does not make me any more valuable as a human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And does not make me any more worthy of love, connection, belonging yeah. and, and things like that. And this is the sort of stuff that even six months ago, I would never have paid it to. I was, if someone had recommended this book, I'd have been like, oh, let's add it to the, okay. the, the, the bottom of the discard pile. <laughs> Get in line. Yeah. <laughs> <Go> on, productivity. <laughs> but now this is the sort of stuff that I'm like, oh. That, I mean, it sounds very really in line with the uh, I'm okay, you're okay, um, which we looked at last year. Yeah, I still need to read that book. You still haven't read it. No, oh, I've been, I've been, God, I've been, I've been listening to Aspiration. Oh, really? You have? It has an audiobook. It has an audiobook. Mate. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know that. Okay. Does it have an audiobook? Oh no, maybe I've been reading it. I, I, I can't remember. <laughs> have I been reading it? No. Yeah. No, it doesn't have an. Audiobook. I have been listening. I have it? been reading it, which is why it, it's it's quite a hard book to read. Yeah, it's it's not like light dense, reading. Dense. No. no, it's not like <laughs> yeah. No, it's not one of these pop psychologies. Um, no, no, no. But yeah, I need to listen to Bang. slash read. I'm okay. You're okay as well. Yeah. I've got a bunch of others that are on this on this genre of like yeah self acceptance and self love and like spirituality and yeah all of this genres of life that I just haven't really bothered exploring in the past. Dude, read I'm okay, you're okay. Trust me, it really resonate. We spent three podcasts talking about it. Yeah, I didn't think I had to read it. <laughs> as nah, I'm sure dude, most of our listeners ah. <laughs> felt as well. Hmm. But that's cool. Do you want to read? Is there is there like one highlight that you can read out from Brenny Brown? Let's have a look. I was. It's an audiobook, so I was taking notes on my uh, Apple Notes, which is my, my second brain of choice these days. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, there was one line in particular. She was like, she was like, um, she often finds it useful to ask my, to ask herself, am I trading in authenticity for approval? Mm, love it. Um, I like that. And yeah, I, I will be worthy if dot, dot, dot. Mm, I can um, be okay if. I can be okay if, yeah. Yes, uh, Just read the books I tell you to read, bro. This is ridiculous. Have you read Harry Potter yet? I've read some of them. Okay. <laughs> I'll read the books you recommend once you read the Harry Potter series. Um, but no, the authenticity for approval thing was interesting. So I was thinking about this balance of, obviously like some of the stuff that I, 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 was, on, I was on a podcast some time ago and I was being quite honest and quite raw. And, I, and afterwards I was concerned that some of the stuff that I said, which was authentic, Oh. would be basically cancelable oh I, really oh well, well i don't repeat it now <laughs> no um but, but 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 like you know taken out of context with right. the wrong lens with someone who's not putting a charitable interpretation of it it's like you know this thing that i'm struggling with that i'm saying it's like oh my god like uh, how can you possibly think that how oh, can you possibly see, say that yeah. i've lost all respect for you you're the worst human being mm. sort of vibes yeah, yeah and so a huge part of me was like yeah maybe maybe we should cut this out of the podcast and another part of me was like yeah but like that's trading in authenticity for approval and then another part was like yeah but you know <laughs> the whole i think yeah it's tricky when it's a public thing mm. i think that just like completely changes it like you can't apply the same rules in a am i being authentic with my friend right now or am i trying to seek their approval mm. it's a very different thing to like am i being authentic on this podcast which loads of people are going to listen to you just can't treat it in the same way. Yeah. So that was the the thing that I was the the thing that I was trying to square. Like, to what extent? I mean, obviously, I'm big on the authenticity rather than approval front in real life, mm. in private. 
but to what extent do I yeah. want to be that way in public? Right, right. And like, what are the topics that I do want to just steer clear from? Yeah. Even if it is something that I'm thinking about actively. Yeah. Um, just because it just sounds bad. Yep. Yep. And bad it's physics. yeah, it's 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 kind of annoying that that's a thing. Yeah. Like even that discussion we were having about like living with girls versus li versus living with guys. Yeah. It's like a pretty non-controversial topic to talk about amongst friends. Yeah. And yet, mentioned on the podcast, like, oh, uh oh, yep. mentioned girl and guy in the same sentence. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, I, I often think that, like, there's certainly, like, um, <clears throat> topic areas that I wouldn't approach in a public sphere like a podcast that I often talk about with friends and things. That always makes me think, like, man, all these other, like, podcasts and stuff I listen to. They must have a lot of good shit that they're, that they're not open to talking about in the public sphere as well. Yeah, but then uh, who, I think I was I was speaking to someone about this the other day. They were saying that like the the annoying thing is that like no one is then going to talk about these topics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone is systematically ignoring them. Yeah. And so, can you be the sort of person who is, for example, okay with you know a certain a certain segment of the population? effectively cancelling you in their minds slash on twitter yeah for the sake of uh, broaching something vaguely interesting and yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that sort of thing yeah it's just it's just so risky and so like low reward yeah yeah where you know if one's business is dependent on one being not cancelled <laughs> <laughs> and the livelihood of 20 team members is dependent yeah. on the same <laughs> and it's like you know what i kind of want to talk about the difference between i don't know <laughs> a and b <laughs> yeah i'll stick to rome versus notion <laughs> yeah <laughs> even like windows versus versus mac <laughs> unacceptable yeah. to talk about so i don't know yeah i think the other like i mean this is not an original take at all but the other issue with like fear of cancellation is that like if you know there are some topics that are just so incendiary in in the public sphere mm. that like no one's going to have the discussions in public but people people are definitely having them in private mm. and reaching conclusions and things and so i think there's definitely a bunch of topics where I mean, even in like in, in the tech sphere, like just like in everything, there are conversations that everyone knows and has privately and everyone knows that everyone else is also mm. having those conversations privately. And everyone knows that like the majority actually have a position that would be considered problematic by, by the public sphere. <laughs> <laughs> um, and those positions are being held privately and they're existing and they're going to continue to exist because the topic is so incendiary that you can't actually have a public conversation about it. So, yeah. So who knows? Something I think about a lot, especially when it comes to yeah, how how often do I want to be, how how honest do I want to be on podcast? Yeah, nice. Should we wrap up? Let's wrap up. Um, do you want to read out an interview? Have you got your phone with you? Uh, interview review review. All right, here's a review. It's a five star review. It's entitled "Don't bother leaving an audio message." I quite like the not overthinking podcast. The way the brothers discuss each thought provoking topic with each other is unlike any dialogue I have heard on a podcast before. I especially like how Ali and Tame will speak to each other instead of speaking and ranting to the audience directly. This laid-back approach makes the listener feel more comfortable, like a fly on the wall. Mixed with the banter and light-hearted jabs, the listening experience is really fun. My only bone to pick is that they have not once played a listener's audio message during the show. At the end of every episode, they ask us to submit an audio message to serve as the springboard for a discussion. However, I've never heard one of these voice messages played. This feels problematic to me. Other than that, I love the show. I'll catch you next week or maybe next month or maybe next year. I suppose we'll see. That is a very fair point. Are we, are we getting an audio messages? We get, we get them very irregularly. We have, we have definitely received audio messages in the past. Actually, I've listened to all the ones we've received. Oh, why don't we play more of them? Well, actually, most of them say please don't play this on the podcast <laughs> oh okay yeah 
Interesting. And what about the ones that don't? I mean, there was Surely one. not all of them say don't please. I mean, if you remember the one we did about like um, racism yeah, stuff a year ago, we, we played. We played, yeah. we was, played that. It was a year ago. Like how, that was how, a year ago. How many do we get each week to month? We definitely don't get one monthly. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very rare. Okay. It's a very rare occurrence. So guys, if you're listening to this, you want to send us an audio message, got a question or anything, like genuinely say like, our way. Did, Yeah, yeah. I think maybe maybe we shouldn't have mentioned that we'd play the audio message on the podcast because the thing is, oftentimes the audio message, well, sometimes it might be saying something interesting, mm. but on, on a podcast, you kind of want things to be nice and tight. And yes. uh, an audio message of someone exploring something for like two to five minutes, you know, may lead to a couple of nuggets which are good starting points for a discussion on the podcast but not necessarily like really engaging to play the whole audio message on on the pod maybe but we can just cut in post if we need to right i mean yeah, it's, okay. not, it's, it's not like it's a conversation that we have a particularly concise and sharp and stuff. uh i suppose yeah but i mean everyone did complain about the last one of like why am i listening to this random audio message for like 10 minutes it was like you know really long or something okay so if we say send us an audio message that's up to one minute? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think we need any hard and fast rules yeah. here. We could always like edit. Yeah, I think I think it's an interesting format that we should experiment with. We just clearly don't get... Yeah, we just don't get like too many audio messages. Um, yeah, I suppose. Cool. Awesome. Right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. And we'll hopefully see you next week. <laughs> Bye-bye. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at N Overthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.